Welcome to the show. It's a little bit early, but it's all right. We have things to get done, don't you know? So it is the uh, 26th day of May, May 26th, 2022. This is how I play my Nirvana these days, through piano instrumentals. But um, I'm welcoming you all here. Oh, and uh, just as we went live here, I got a, a very important missive was sent to me from uh, the New York Yankees on Twitter. Get this, about 14 minutes ago, very, very brave. In lieu of game coverage and in collaboration with the Tampa Bay Rays, we will be using our channels to offer facts about the impacts of gun violence, the devastating events that have taken place in, uh, in Texas and Buffalo and the countless other communities across our nation are tragedies that are intolerable. No, well, I can do that. I can do that real quick for you. As per the CDC under the Obama administration, there's about 30,000 gun-related deaths every year. 20,000 of them are suicides, and uh, much of the last 10,000 are gang-related crimes in mostly uh, Democrat inner cities. So I guess the, the, the crux of the Yankee broadcast tonight is going to be that the Yankees endorse 20,000 people, suicidal people, every year of hanging themselves in the garage rather than shooting themselves in the head. So that's, uh, that's what once again, that, that's just, uh, you, you, you might be wondering, where do you get to see the baseball game tonight? Well, I don't know. I don't know. So that's that. Um, I have a couple other things to do on that in just a second. We're going to be having, we're going to be having some good fun tonight though, because it's six degrees of separation tonight. I told you I would be, uh, manning the ship solo. Rob is watching the, uh, Ranger game tonight, so he is not in with us, but I have six degrees of separation and a whole lot of time on my hands. And we always, uh, we do well when we've got time. So that's what uh, that we're doing tonight. So what do we do right now? Well, first thing is going to be giving a nice little plug to our beautiful sponsors, and that is BlueMonsterPrep.com. Well, there's nothing else to say. Watch Davos. Watch what's going on in Davos right now, and you can tune in to all the things that are happening there, and then immediately run, run, run with your piggy bank over to Pat and Gina at BlueMonsterPrep.com and say, where do I start or where do I continue in my prepping? I need food. I need, I need uh, you know, backup power. I need this and that, water filtration, first aid. Go to BlueMonsterPrep.com. It is almost an exclusive stockpile of necessary equipment across all very important categories of preparation that is almost exclusively set aside for this audience at this point. Okay? So go ahead and get in touch with them at BlueMonsterPrep.com. Use promo code FRANKLY for all of your shipping to be taken off the top. And um, and who knows what else they have going on as far as their their specials. And they send, they send handwritten notes to people. I get people getting in touch with me all the time. Frank, I can't believe the customer service, but when I got a handwritten thank you note with my mug and this and that, I said, I, I'm telling you, they're, they're the easiest people to plug. They're the greatest sponsors. I got great sponsors. What can I say? And necessary. This, this is not frivolous stuff. So go ahead, check them out. 
and I have I have a few really interesting bookings I have to tell you about because this I'm almost completely done with June and we haven't started. Now for the rest of May, we did let Matteo Lundgren last night. That was a nice little stop by. We're doing six degrees of separation tonight. I can delete that. All right, so I'm just going to throw this out there. Tomorrow night, our special guest is Zoso Dude. He is on another one of his uh, motorcycle cross-country trips, and he's passing through the New York area just in time to sit in on a nice, cozy Friday night. Now, I also have book club tomorrow night, so I don't know if he's been reading along, but I'm sure he'll find something to do. Maybe he can talk to my brother about music. And... Um, and whatever, but Zoso Dude will be on the air tomorrow night. Isn't that nice? Last time he came across country like this, he came right by the tri-state area, the the 48-hour the window in which Aurora was born. And he was the first person I got to say hello to uh, in public after Aurora was born outside in the cold of a September night in 2020. I got to sneak out of the, the hospital for a few minutes. And... Um, and yeah, but anyway, that's tomorrow night. Saturday night, don't know what the hell we're doing. I, I, I still might, I don't know. But I think we're going to go live, so there's that. Memorial Day, there is no show. That is Monday the 30th. Tuesday the 31st, Rich Barris is on. I have a lot to talk about with him. All the primary weirdness, all that 2,000 mules. I haven't spoken to him about that yet. On June 1st, I'll be doing an afternoon stream, but I'm off that night. We have a gig in Queens, me and the band. June 7th, Danny Katz, author of a really wonderful propaganda book that was given to me as a Christmas gift. Would love to bring her on to talk about media, propaganda, and all of the methods that uh, we, we might already know and need a refresher, or little subtle things that are thrown in our, in our way that we don't really uh, identify so easily. Then on June 8th, Jim Lee comes on. We're going to be talking about the Grand Solar Minimum. We're going to be talking about the environment again. Good stuff. Justin Polgar, Jason Burmis is coming back on June 13th. Chris Ann Hall on the 15th. Jeff Harmon, the astrologer, on June 23rd with me and Rob. June 29th, I'm hoping. Now, I've gotten, we, uh, a, he dropped off a little bit because he wasn't feeling so well. But he is an elder statesman, and I was very patient, and I was so surprised that I got an email from his staff. But he wants to do that. He's doing limited, limited media again, but he wants to do this show. And that is G. Edward Griffin. We are talking, I, I mean, this would be a tremendous honor. And I, it, it's not confirmed yet for June 29th, but I think that somewhere around there, uh, we should have G. Edward Griffin on, author of books famous ones such as the creature from Jekyll Island he's 90 years old now this is this would be a tremendous honor and another feather in the cap for a big big year of important interviews already and I have more on the way so look at that almost all of June I'm knocking on the I'm gonna be uh, I'm gonna be doing July soon and remember, June is also awesome because we have all of these badasses to do every night. And we have completed our task with that, too. The, the, the work that has been going on behind the scenes and is always going on behind the scenes, I can't even put it into words sometimes. But that's what we have. All right, first one up in the grab bag, some sad news. Very sad news. Shocking, actually. 
Ray Liotta has died. Good. That's not Ray Liotta. I don't know who the hell that loser is. Um, Goodfellas actor Ray Liotta dead at 67. He died in his sleep Wednesday night while filming a movie in the Dominican Republic. He was 67. I was very saddened to hear of Ray's passing. His godfather co-star Robert De Niro told the Post Thursday. Uh, uh, Goodfellas co-star, sorry. Uh, he was too young to have left us. May he rest in peace. Leota also starred in critically acclaimed F- Field of Dreams. Field of Dreams is such an awesome movie. He's been shooting the upcoming flick Dangerous Waters on the island before he passed away. His representative, Jennifer Craig, confirmed to The Hollywood Reporter his cause of death and other details were not immediately known on Thursday. Now, I, I, don't, I don't know anything else yet because I know just as much as everybody else um but I I, I did see a couple of rumors that it was carbon monoxide poisoning or they're suspecting I, I don't know but out of nowhere we'll see out of nowhere don't know too much about his life or recent life and but we'll, that's that's that very sad to hear. Um, Kevin Spacey, since we're stay, staying in that lane, Kevin Spacey faces sex assault charges. Isn't that a surprise? In the UK. Okay. Three. Three new sex, uh, sex assault charges or accusations. The 62-year-old actor is accused of attacking three men in London and Gloucestershire. Between 2005 and 2013, when he was artistic director at the Old Vic. So, all three of those men better hire food tasters and avoid crossing the street for a while. Wonder how the hell that's going to end up. You're really taking your life into your hands when you go and try to put the screws to Kevin Spacey. And here is a third and final story for this grab bag session together. This is from thegothamist.com. The last public payphone in New York City has been removed from Midtown. That's that. Midtown Manhattan said goodbye to a long-standing resident on Monday when the city's last working public payphone was officially removed from the area. As a native New Yorker, saying goodbye to the last street payphone is bittersweet because of the prominent place that they've had in the city's physical landscape for decades, said Matthew Frazier, New York City's Commissioner of the Office of Technology and Innovation. Just like we transitioned from horse and buggy to the automobile and from automobile to the airplane, yes, because people fly planes all over the city. That's a very stupid analogy. Dumbass. The, di- the, di- the, di- the digital evolution has progressed from the payphone to high-speed Wi-Fi kiosks to meet the demands of our rapidly changing daily communications needs. So now they're taking this and they're putting it into the museum. It's not going to the scrapyard. It's heading to the Museum of the City of New York as a part of their new exhibit, Analog City. New York City before computers, which is going to be a look back at New York City pre-digital life. So a lot of that pre-digital life can actually be very scary. So hopefully don't concentrate too much on the late 70s and 80s, but maybe the 90s. 
that wasn't very digital, and it was the last non-digital just started happening. So that's that. 707, I want a little bit extra time. Uh, I have to do one story, one thing, before we get into six degrees of separation, so I'm going to cut it off right here, and I will invite you all cordially to please share the show around, tweet it out there, tumble it, whatever the hell it is, put it on Gab, on Truth Social, on Getter, wherever you are, please help us get the show out, and uh, keep tweeting throughout the entirety of the show, let people know how the topics have changed, and, and call in, and we're taking calls now, and be a part of it, be a part of it, thank you for syndicating, quite frankly, we will be back right after this stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's rock!
Yes. I was thinking to myself, what am I going to open up with tonight? And given the fact that the first and only story that I had to do prior to our going to six degrees of separation, which is now in its second year of being a very cherished bit. It was cherished last year. It was a great ride. And here we are again. So I said, what am I going to get? Well, I got to talk a little bit about Whoopi Goldberg. So I said, oh, Alice Cooper, let's go with Hey Stupid. Here I am. And there he is. And there you are. Okay, so let's just put it out there. This sent me on a little bit of a, um, a, I don't know, an internal avalanche. That's what happened to me when I saw this. And then we'll get to the main event tonight. Headline from Fox News. Whoopi Goldberg, if women can't have abortions, we're going to come for guns. Get ready to give them up. A very, very even keel. And um, it's a, it, it makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? that one would lean on the other. Let's listen. You sold an AR-15 at the gun show? See you in court. Does your neighbor have too big an arsenal? Call the cops. Actually, let's invoke some Supreme Court logic, too. Alito says abortion's not in the Constitution. Well, neither are AR-15s. Yeah, they are, man. Yeah. Because you want to know why? You want First of all, the Constitution doesn't say anything about any type of firearm because it's limitless. That's right. So yes, AR-15s, very basic semi-automatic rifles that just look really cool for the untrained eye, they are in there because they are arms to be born. B-O-R-N-E, they are arms to be born. You dumb bastard, you dumb bastard. It's a rifle. Semi-automatic rifle. She thinks it has some magical power. If these things were weapons of war, like we say, why haven't we not sent one of them to Ukraine? We've sent almost, we're we're, we're climbing toward $100 billion that we've sent to that farce of a government in Ukraine. The way these mindless tubs of lard on shows like The View, talk about AR-15s, you would think that the Russians would have surrendered the moment that they heard one pallet of AR-15s landed somewhere near Kiev. You would think, you would think. So I guess the Constitution doesn't cover them either. No, yes it does, but you're stupid. Keep going. And and it does not, obviously it doesn't cover abortion. Doesn't cover abortion. Doesn't cover anything. Doesn't cover social security. But you're 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 just from you're ignorant, very ignorant. Life is so sacred. Then stop using guns to abort young lives. And stop, stop voting using for, guns. And, and stop to, voting for Republicans. <laughs> oh, oh, there we go. Another country heard from. There she is. There she is. Another Whig heard from. Joy with her fifteen chins. And you hear that? You hear that? Stop using guns to abort young lives. What are you talking about? Who are you even addressing? Are you addressing the criminal elements of society? That's who you should be addressing. What are you talking about? I want every last one of these women stripped of their personal bodyguards. Or I at least want all their personal bodyguards to be disarmed. Okay? Make sure that all your bodyguards know Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Because that's the only thing that they're going to be allowed to have. So this is going on 
And I, I just start thinking to myself here. Now, obviously, AR-15s, I'm not a big gun nut. I, I couldn't tell you uh, a, a lot about these things like some of my friends could. But I, I, I'm, not, I'm not swept up in the, the fervor that these lunatics are. I know that they're semi-automatic rifles. And you know what? People prefer them because they're smooth enough to handle so that even smaller women can use them with ease and accuracy, which is very important. Which is why a lot of American women do own them and train with them. It's a very important thing, which is what makes Whoopi's non-point about guns even dumber. Because women, I guess that it's the, the, central, uh, the central focal point of abortion and health care, right? It's, it's women. It's an attack on women. Women should be most interested in protecting their right to self-defense. Especially since they're, they are now uh, in, they're, they have no need for men right so weapons like the ar-15 are actually great equalizers for women because unlike what you see in the movies a 115 pound valley girl cannot beat up full-grown men especially full-grown men with criminal intent so but but whoopi doesn't care she has bodyguards and she's dumb dumb person a dumb dumb person shut up silly woman exactly that's what she is now, on the abortion point in particular, I want you to check something out. This is probably going to enrage you and um, make you want to throw up. I want you to check this out. Try not to explode. Here is a pro-abortion creature from the TikTok lagoon. And in the video for everybody out there who is listening to this on podcast, she is holding her infant child, her infant daughter, and she's telling her infant daughter, I could have killed you but I chose to let you live. And yes, I realize what I said there, and I stand by it. Take a listen to this, and, um, and I want to, I'll, I'll make a point afterwards, because there is a, a big point to be made. I could have killed you, but I chose to let you live. I chose to let her live, as in I had a choice. All women should have a choice. No, you don't have a choice. I, I, I mean, I also have a choice to choke the life out of people like you, but I don't because no matter how much of a disgusting animal you are, it's murder. You see how that works? Do you realize what you just said? Killed. I cannot wrap my brain around this no matter how I look at it. If you don't want to use the word kill, that's fine. If you want to use the word kill, that's fine. When you use hand sanitizer, you kill germs. I she just likened babies, unborn babies, to to germs on your hand when you when you you squirt a little bit of purell in there okay i could have simply chosen to let you not exist but i let you exist she's 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 stroking her child's head saying i, I now she's trying to uh, uh make a, a mockery of of how people can just use whatever words they want instead of just accepting that yes you are killing the child and it is your choice why are we even tiptoeing around the issue here all right but I let you exist. I let you form past the zygote phase. Is that better? So yes, I realize what I just said, and I stand by it. If you want to get an abortion, get an abortion. If you don't want to get an abortion, don't get an abortion, but don't try to oppress my rights. Okay, there you have it. As if you didn't know. Now, Frank, why would you put this disgusting creature up on screen tonight? Well, that's the mind of a murderer. That's the mind of a murderer, and this is what they all they all know is behind the act that's it you you just have two types of people who operate 
in this kind of worldview and this kind of view of the, the devaluation of life. You have the satanic jihadist types, like what we just watched right now, who don't care about hiding it anymore. And then you have the moderate accomplices who try to passively cover up all of the, the, the truth of the matter of abortion with, in very feeble ways, like calling it reproductive health care and, and, you know, arbitrarily. This, it, it's just ridiculous. It's ridiculous. So you have the, the rabid jihadist types, and then you have, you have the uh, moderate accomplices, which is what you get a lot of in government. And then, of course, we have the straight-up imbeciles, like Whoopi Goldberg, who are trapped in this hamster wheel where there are two things, two things that do not go together at all, but are somehow dependent on each other. That's what's going on inside of Whoopi's head. And, of course, that fat hag that sits next to her. Now, the first thing that's going on is the right the right for mothers to murder their children, R-I-T-E, because that's what it is, the right. That right must be made legal, limitless, federally funded, and celebrated as the ultimate expression of female power, apparently, to this inverted group of uh, cultists. And if that is not possible, if making all that possible is impossible, then we shouldn't be allowed to own firearms because they may be used by criminals to murder slightly older children. Are you following along? Because Whoopi isn't. You can't, you can't talk to these animals. They're animals. You can't talk to them. This is the logic. This is the worldview. This is what they've been turned into. You can't, do not attempt. Do not attempt. Just, I don't know, pray. I don't know, I don't know what to tell you. I got an email last night from Jim Zell. And Jim was talking about the things going on right now. He said, Frank, I didn't get to hear all of last night's show, but what you said about the shooting was spot on. The knee-jerk emotional reaction to the shooting is like clockwork. Like you said, you can set your watch to the way that these events unfold. Your thoughts on Mad Dog, Chris Russo, the comments were very insightful. He said that there are about 8 million reasons for this shooting, and all of those reasons are more important than guns, I can tell you that. Why we are more focused on the weapon used to kill people than the reason why they are killing kids is mind-boggling. I talked to a teacher in our school district who said that out of 25 kids in her class, 75% were on medication. 75%, Frank. Think about that for a second. That's just one classroom up in rural Maine. This medication is known to have side effects of suicidal ideation and homicidal ideation. How about we look at that for a change. Also, another reason for the shootings is ritual. Our culture worships the god of chance. And what I mean is that our kids have been taught that there is no creator, that their lives are accidents. They are growing up aimless with no purpose in their lives. It's all randomness. This is where a nihilistic mindset takes us. When we see this senseless violence, what we are really witnessing is children being sacrificed to the god of chance. This is what our culture has produced. 100%. 100 Spoken like a true zell. 
And what else are we learning? All the all the uh, the very the very predictable common denominators about this situation that that's happening now. You have the police standing down for what an hour while parents are pleading for them to go into the building. They stop parents from going into the building, you know, with their instincts to go in there and do something to save the defenseless. Unconscionable disgrace. Unconscionable disgrace. An all too familiar common denominator. In- all these events so yeah we have a lot of problems but guns ain't nowhere near the top 10 and uh and to no surprise all this is going on and it has granted sufficient cover for the greatest the greatest villains of our time to swill wine in davos and cut up the world and play it like it's a game of dominoes so again to hell to hell with Whoopi goldberg and that pile of shit she thinks is a brain so we'll be right back. I wanted, I had to get that out of my system. Quick break, then six degrees of separation, your calls, and hopefully relaxing for the rest of the night and settling into something a little bit more, I don't know, wholesome. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> Damn it, Jewel. You gotta quit that shit. <laughs>
Okay, ladies and gentlemen. It is 7.30. 7.30 on the East Coast. Welcome back. So what do we have on the menu for tonight's show? I'll tell you. Here's what the menu read a couple of days ago. It's only about eight days ago, and we have about 25 responses. It's terrific. I cannot wait to, to share once again the interesting people that we have in this, this audience and the great ties that they have to other figures in history, because you're a figure in history too, you know. Six degrees of separation. Do you have any relatives or friends, living or dead, of historical or cultural importance? Are you related to royalty, uh, musicians, athletes, inventors, politicians, serial killers, anything goes? And of course, honorable mentions were memorable run-ins with any of the same, those same types and categories of people. So where do we start? Where do we start? First thing up is... Here we go. Twee Girl. Twee Girl says, It was my last night in Manhattan, spring 2000, and I took a long walk from my hotel in, uh, in the LES in the, uh, uh, to the UWS and was getting kind of tired. So I stopped to sit out outside this pizza place and uh, have a bite to eat and relax. A dude came running up to me as he exited the restaurant and asked me in excitement, hey, did you see who just walked by? I answered no. He told me it's Robin Williams. And he just went into that club. I looked over to where the man was pointing and sure enough, a couple of doors down was a stand-up New York comedy club. So I went in and said to the bartender, hey, someone just told me that Robin Williams is here. And the bartender said, yeah. He's the main, he's in the main room, two drink minimum, then it's free. Oh my word. I bought my fancy Cosmopolitans right away and got to see Robin Williams doing an impromptu stand-up set on my last night in New York City for free, and it was the funniest thing I've ever heard. He could take a lipstick from a woman's purse and leave you in stitches talking about it. Word got out really fast that Robin Williams was hit, was there, and a whole bunch of local comedians showed up as well, and so did actors Matt Damon, Casey Affleck. After Robin William finished his set, he stayed and talked to every single person who was in that club, took photos, gave autographs, told more jokes. When it was my turn to meet him, Robin looked me right in the eye, shook my hand, introduced himself to me as he, uh, as he needed to, as if he needed to, asked me what my name was, and said, Nice to meet you, Stephanie. How are you? He, was act- he actually asked me how I was doing. I couldn't believe it. This was before iPhones even existed, so I didn't get my own picture with him. Total bummer. It was so long ago. and happened so fast. I stood there like a deer in headlights. I wish I could remember his set. All I remember is the joy he brought to everyone in that room and his genuineness. Robin Williams was such a huge star. He was in amazing physical shape. He looked gorgeous. And he was just so kind to everyone. To this day, I can't believe how lucky I am. I got to meet him for 10 seconds. Well, that was a definitely great honorable mention. Great honorable mention because she's not related to him. But that's that's a night to remember for sure. I don't have the only thing I have close to that was me and ex and an ex girlfriend of mine snuck into a stand up comedy performance by Sinbad up at the. What the hell is it called? It's up in Peekskill. Is it the Paramount? The Palace? I, I don't, it's across the street from the, the Peekskill Coffee House. It's a theater there. We saw Sinbad was on the marquee. We said, oh, shit. 
and uh, we, we we figured it must have been over so we just walked in and we just walked right into the theater and sat and stood in the back and we saw the last 20 minutes of a Sinbad show we didn't get to meet him I don't know why I'm telling you this story okay Kyberg boy says I'm related to Robert E Lee I'd love to know how like the, how many times removed that's a pretty good relation Robert E Lee Let's see here. Snoo Bananas. And I want to let everybody know, you can call in, quite frankly, podcast at gmail.com. It's 914. Oh, though actually, that's email. And many of you have already emailed your stories. But 914-595-6953. And if you go into the Discord, I have a new voice room set up, and it's called Six Degrees. So if you have a Six Degrees of Separation story and you want to get into Discord, which is a much easier way of getting into the show, or being visible at least, go into the Discord. So here's from Snoo Bananas 5589 I have a few, Frank. My mother grew up across the street from serial killer Fred West. He stole a box of my uncle's toy cars when he was little. Damn. Number two, I'm related to Sir John Jervis, the Earl of St. Vincent. And number three, I met Carrie Fisher when I was nine. She said she liked my dress. Well, that's tremendous. That is tremendous. Princess Leia liked your dress. Serial killer Fred West, though. Mmm. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I'm going to take some calls. But first, one more from Shmoopaloo to you. Says John Wilkes Booth is in my family tree. However, many great great uncles, that is, couldn't be descended from royalty. Oh no, not in our family. And then there's this. You ever hear a child killer in the making? Uh, wait, wait. You ever he- have a child killer in the making over to your? Wait, wait, wait. You ever have a child killer in the making over to your house for di- dinner? Oh, child killer in the making. You have to. You have to. Combine that with uh, with hyphens. A child killer in the making over to your house for dinner. My husband at the time was going through inpatient treatment due to an alcohol problem. We became friends with another patient there by the name of Joe Condro. Joe's parents were wonderful and very supportive of him. His wife and small child were delightful. We hung out and had dinners together occasionally with them and became part of each other's support network. Joe killed young girls in Washington State in the 1980s. At the beginning of the movie, Lost Boys, where all the missing flyers are being shown, there is one of an eight-year-old, Rima Traxler. That was his first victim. Several years later, he killed 12-year-old Kara Rudd. His final victim was eight-year-old Chilla Silvernails. I was floored. He never put off any uh, squicky vibes in my presence, but watching his polite and uh, police and psyche, uh, psychiatric interviews made my skin crawl. How he explained he could keep his normal illusion in play and could go out quite some time before having to satisfy that urge to assault and kill again. Like a crocodile after it eats. Descends below the water line until it needs to hunt and eat again. You never know what lurks behind someone's smiling eyes and polite conversation. Damn. Well, that took a dark twist. Holy, holy, holy. Makes you wonder how many other people are suppressing those urges in public life. We see them every day. We know that they have the crazy eyes. Let's take a call. 301, you're on the air. What do you have for us? 
Is this Frank? Yes, it is. Who's this? Hey, Frank. This is Lee. Lee, what's going on? Oh, who? Hey, Lee. Lee, what's going on? Hey, um, six degrees of separation. Just a story. When I was a boy, and, and I'm in my uh, mid-60s, when I was a boy, my mother told me folklore that I was related to President William McKinley. So I couldn't really go into a classroom and for show and tell and tell anybody that. They'd laugh me out of the school. And so fast forward, since they now have ancestry DNA, it turns out that he's my second cousin, cousin three times removed. President William McKinley. Yeah. He got, it's he, interesting he, he, because when I started this journey, because I, I, I wanted to prove my mother right, uh, they told me anybody with the surname McKinley isn't related to him. And my last name is not McKinley. But the family is centered in Pennsylvania. So long story short, my mother was right. Couldn't prove it in the early 60s. And it was just handed down through, you know, word of mouth. No pictures. Nothing like that. Yeah, but did you did you do one of those blood checks, or did you hire a genealogist to actually go and trace your family tree? Because second cousin, a few times removed, should be pretty easy to just confirm you, what your mother had to say about your relation to President McKinley just through uh, records and uh, record keeping. No, it wasn't because the 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 grandfather uh, or grandmother that I had was kind of a cast-off of the original brothers. They are all born in York, Pennsylvania, thereabouts. The common grandfather was named David, and my common grandfather was Thomas. He kind of split off from the family, and this is back in the, the 1800s, and they would bury people on farms and stuff, and a lot of those plots are lost. The wow. records are lost. A lot of them were in churches, whatnot, but I had a dead end just with a common grandmother and a dead end. But it came up through DNA. Tremendous. Tremendous. I wonder came up through DNA. I, I wonder what uh what caused all of your great 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 uncles to split. I wonder what what estranged them, you know? I mean it's still today, that's that's nothing uncommon today where where people don't talk to a brother or a sister for one reason or another for decades on end, some kind of a dispute that they couldn't put to bed and that's just it. There's there's now two new families that have split from an original one. I wonder what that original dispute was. I I I, I couldn't tell you. It just there was in in York PA the family was centered there, brothers, they, they were common landowners, they fought in the Revolutionary War, they fought, a lot of these fought in the Civil War, uh, War of 1812, so they were, they were American patriots, but they migrated up to northeastern uh, Ohio in the, in the Akron area. And I called it, the, the, his, uh, his uh, presidential library that is up in Canton. And I talked to a genealogist there who, who worked for free for a couple hours, but that's about it, because I was trying to track these records. I came close. I mean, I came close with some headstones and, that I thought were right, but I just couldn't crack it until the DNA came up with common ancestors that, that tripped me over to his family line. Wow.
I mean, listen, so, it, it, it's tremendous. It, that's tremendous that you can you can do something like that. And it's also pretty cool that you know that your family really goes back so far, right to the beginning of this of this country. Talking about the Revolutionary War right through the 1850s and 60s to a, uh, a distant relative in uh, President McKinley, who was killed by globalists. So you were... Uh, uh, just unbelievable. And he was uh, 25, not 45. Wow. Well, listen, Lee, this is a wonderful call. Thank you so much for sharing this with us. Hey, Frank, I wanted to tell you, I'm glad that you got me on the phone because I I think your podcast rocks, man. Well, I can't. I I tell can't thank you enough. I tell everybody about it. I I absolutely do. The the information that flows out of this show and and how fluid you are as a... a, I don't want to say performer because you're not a performer. It's pretty, it's very natural for you, and I can tell. But uh, you got quite the fan base. And I moved down here to Florida about a month ago. So I want to tell you when you said watch your show, listen to your show with the waves crashing on the beach. Think of me. That's Lee. Oh, you're making me jealous now, Lee. Because I'll tell you. I want that. I want that breeze. I want that. But sometimes around this time of year, when it's not too hot and, uh, hot and stifling, but it's still warm at night, but it's still the humidity goes away at night. I love just laying in bed next to Lauren. She'll she'll already be sleeping or something. But I'll have gotten out of a shower. My pores are still open and fresh. I'm feeling good. And I got the the ceiling fan. That's like on maybe like one or two setting, and it creates this breeze. I close my eyes. And I just put myself on a beach somewhere because it almost feels like that steady beach breeze. And the fact that you're able to to have fun with this show uh, in that setting in real life, man, I'll tell you, I I, um, I wish I was the host and the uh, the audience at the same time. <laughs> well, I tell you, I'm, I'm sure you're, you're reaching worldwide, and 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 you're down here in the free state of Florida. So keep keep rocking it, keep rocking it with all your guests. It's just absolutely super. And just as a comment, I saw Nora Bin Laden on the war room the past day or so. She's awesome. Yeah. Have her back on. Absolutely. I, I will do. And, and Leah, I got you stored here in the Skype, so next time you call in, I'll know it's you. Hey, thanks a lot, Frank. Take care. God bless your family. Be well. Same to you. Yeah, Norbin Bin Laden, uh, she got in touch with me because I saw her with on with Bannon as well, and I congratulated her on another great spot because she goes on that show a lot. And she responded and said, I, uh, let's get you on the schedule. So I think mid to late next week, I might be doing a recording with her on her show. And then at, at the end of that, I'll just put her back on our schedule too. I love when she comes by. Look at that. Lee, what a great way to kick that one off. Let's go into the Discord for a second because I see somebody who is uh, part of the network hands and engineers and producing uh, powers what is going on choda boy hey, what's going on frank how are you doing today i'm doing well so what is this you have six degrees separation you know i i did i i'll be brief because it's sort of six degrees sort of not but you know what i met sinbad i worked at a hotel years ago and i looked up one day sinbad right in front of me whoa and uh i took him a salad his his room service so i met sinbad he was a nice guy so in case you were wondering what that was like to meet him it you know, was pretty good, I guess. So, something always told me that he would be a pretty personable guy. I mean, obviously, you can you can catch anybody on a bad day, or there's just some times when anybody would would rather not have to deal with the public. But 
I uh, I always looked at him. And I thought he'd be probably a personable guy to 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 run in run into in public. Yeah, he was a hell of a nice guy, and uh, it kind of took me by surprise because I was I was cleaning the bar top, and then I I look up and like boom, the face of every kids movie I saw growing up, like right there, like whoa. I think I said I go whoa Sinbad, what what are you doing here? But he was performing around and. I guess that's where he was staying. So whoa, jingle all the way. Dude, yeah, right. It's well, like, listen, damn, if you're you, right here. If you, Angels if, in the outfield, or whatever he was in. He was in an Angels in the outfield. Well, one of those movies where he played a genie or something. You know them all. Yeah, yeah, but he was not Angel. That was not Angels in the outfield. Oh, okay. That well, was, you'd know that better than I would. I, I didn't watch that. That was I Christopher didn't... Lloyd and Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Oh, there you go. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah. Well, anyway, if you see him again, tell him that you know somebody that snuck into one of his shows in Peekskill, New York. All right, sweet. I'll let him know. Thanks, man. Talk to you later. All right. Anytime. See you. Bye. <laughs> There's Chode-a-boy, Chode-man from, quite frankly, TV. A couple more over here. I went to some of our friends who have been on the show before to see if they had anybody. And, for, and based on, let me see if anybody has responded to me since going on air real quick so I don't miss anybody. No. No. So I asked Jay Dyer, among a lot of people, Jay Dyer got back to me. He said, actually, uh, it's possible but not certain that Michael Scott, not of the office, Michael Scott, the Wizard King of Scotland, is my ancestor. It's possible but not certain. So that's from Jay Dyer. I went and one of the other people I asked, just threw it out there, was from Zach Voorhees. I said, Zach, you got anybody in your past that is that is really... Um, you know, historical or whatever, he goes, well, according to family lore, though we don't have any way to confirm it, once again, Anne, Anne Boleyn. Anne Boleyn. Every piece of her. Timothy Gordon got back to me. He said, actually, Frank, the Gordons were close associates of Robert the Bruce. Again in Scotland. So I wonder if they knew. I don't. I don't know what you know compared to when Michael Scott, the Wizard King of Scotland, was alive. I don't know if they was alive at the same time as Robert the Bruce, or who came before the other. I don't know. But still, we have a lot of uh, Scottish royalty and wizardry going on out there. I asked my father because I inquired about my mother's side of of things too. I asked my, my cousin Sherry, whose, uh, whose mother, my aunt, has pretty much taken it upon herself to be the family historian, and she's done a really great job at, at, at putting together all the history that can be found about my mom's side of the, the family. I have those in really nicely bound books at home. So uh, there's nothing there on that side. As far as my father goes, he says the best he can come up with and we don't, I don't know who this guy's name is, but we, I had in my past on that side of the family in the, like the early 1900s, I had a journalist or a writer who worked for a very popular Roman newspaper. Don't know who he is. So uh, whoever the best journalist from the early 1900s in Rome was, it was probably my, my ancestor. <laughs> I was also informed, I did not know this, that my grandmother, who just passed away, in February, she was first runner-up Miss New York. Miss New York State in 1945. First runner-up. I didn't know that. And my grandfather, I did told, tell you this before, my, gran, my, grandma, uh, my grandmother's husband, who just passed away, 
My grandfather, who I never met, he had radio shows all over Italy during the war. I told you that before because uh, as a show and tell night, maybe about three or four years ago, I brought in copies of his letters home talking about how he was putting scripts together for radio shows that and plays like on air, almost like radio dramas that were going to be aired on radio stations around Italy during the war when they were occupying the boot because he moved up with the army from North Africa into, into Italy. He stayed in Europe. My mother's father was all in the Pacific Theater. And, uh, yeah, so nothing really on my end. Nothing I mean, too, too crazy. Uh, what else do we have? We have so much, so much. It is 747. Let's take another call, and then we'll go, to, uh, we'll go to this. Mike from Rhode Island, welcome back to the show. What's on your end of the thing? How are you doing tonight, Frank? Great to hear I got a you. pretty good six degrees of separation story for you. Wonderful. So uh, my great-great-great-uncle was St. Oliver Plunkett in County Mead, Ireland. Wow. And uh, when Cromwell finally caught up with them, um, he was hanged drawn and quartered, meaning they hang, they hanged them almost to death, pulled them down off the rope, cut his innards out, and then ho- horses pull them into pieces. And at, to this day, his body is spread all over churches, all over Europe. Your, your great, um, great, great, his, great uncle? Yep. Wow. Wait, you, you said his saint, give me the saint, his name again. St. Oliver Plunkett. St. Oliver Plunkett. Wow. Yeah, this is... I almost submitted him for one of the badass stories because when this guy was being hunted down, after leaving Ireland to go become a priest, uh, it was right around the time that the that the uh, Protestant English Church wouldn't allow Catholicism in in Ireland, so they sent out a hit on him, and they told every merchant and every ship if they find him, bring him back dead. They didn't want him alive; they wanted him dead. So eventually, he reached Rome, but when he came back to Ireland. He had to disguise himself as a pirate. He dressed as a pirate. He put on a pirate's hat, carried a rifle, um, and then when he would get to wherever he was going, he would come trust back as a priest and say mass in fields and houses and barns. But eventually they did catch up to him. Why? Wow, he, he died the same death as uh, William Wallace. Pretty much, yeah. Damn, and you, and you know what's crazy? He looks exactly like Longshanks from Braveheart. At least this one portrait I'm looking at right now. He looks like Longshanks. Longshanks! You know, a lot of the stories of Braveheart were, uh, were basically torn apart from different parts of Ireland and England. And actually, another little bit of six degrees of separation, two of my cousins are in the movie Braveheart. Oh, really? Uh, the, scene, the battle scene when they're all ready to rush into battle, they used yeah. a bunch of college kids from the local areas in Ireland when they filmed it. And two of my cousins ended up in that scene. Holy! Oh, okay. Well, this is this is really incredible. Okay, so here is here here is Saint Oliver Plunkett, and here is Longshanks. It's crazy. Well, of course, one was a king, and one is a saint, a badass saint who went and did his thing. Wow, Mike from Rhode Island. Thank you for sharing that. That is one hell of a degree of separation right there. All right, well, thanks for having me on, Frank. And again, you rock. Keep up the great work. Thank you. We all appreciate it. All the best Love to you. Man. Love you, too. Out there in Rhode Island. See you soon. Well, long sharks. Well, this is just, these are tremendous nights, aren't they? 
tremendous nights, aren't they? Let's go to another story from the thread. Because the calls are coming in. People are just beside themselves. They have to get on. And I want them all on. Here's from the narrow way. I met my second wife in the late 1990s. She told me that she had an older brother out of the family picture because he was in jail. During the years we were together, no one mentioned him. When mother passed away, when the mother passed away, they named all their children at the funeral and reduced the total by one. The father and the brother were law enforcement, pretty high-ranking too. It was obvious that the older brother's criminal past caused great pain to the family, but I never knew what he did. Years later, after the divorce, I looked up the older brother, really bad dude, serial killer, murdered a half a dozen young women in different states, and once used his wife to bait the girls. He's on death row, has been for years, and will likely die before he's executed. That's ridiculous. Be done with it. So, don't know the name, but I guess that's an honorable mention right there. Evisceration Plague. I'm somewhat closely related to the American actor and comedian Steve Zahn. One day I'd like to meet him, meet the man, but doubtful. When I was younger, my school had a field trip and we got to see B.E. Taylor at a performing arts school. He sang a few songs, most memorable, I Say, We Say, USA, and he let me keep the guitar pick that he was using. Tremendous. Always great to get guitar picks. Let's take a call. 781, you're on the air. Who's this? Hi. Hello. Hi, this is Kathy. Kathy, welcome to the show. Hi. Hello. I am the seven-time great-niece of Daniel Townsend. What? Wait a second. Who was, okay. who was one of the first people to be killed in the Revolutionary War. Oh wow, I was I was wondering who the hell, why the hell do I know that name? Of course, Townsend. Because if you have ever gone to the tour at the Jason Russell House, they have his suit and they have his rifle, but they do not have the bayonet that he left at home for his wife. That's when he left. See, here's here's the thing, because I, I know that there was also in Washington's the Culper spy ring. Um, there were Townsends there, Robert Townsend, I think. I, no, no. What, what, let me see. I know Townsend, well, I, it's probably a very old name, but that's incredible. Still, so you have old, you are another person out there in the audience that can trace family lineage back to the founding, huh? Yep, the U.S. military gave his widow and the children 800 acres of land in uh, Sydney, Maine, for being one of the first that was killed, and we have the bayonet. Wow, you have a bayonet that killed him? know that he left at home for his wife. <laughs> oh. He was shot by oh. the British at the Jason Russell House. And oh. there's a statue in um, Linfield Center. So, um, like, it's just like the revolutionary soldier. But if you go up, he's on the placket. That's really awesome. And as far as the 800 acres in Maine, whatever became of that? Um, they divvied it up. It was in the family, and there was a farm... Um, it was kind of a sad aspect. My great-grandmother was born there, and her father was a shipman, and he would take off for a few weeks, and she was left at home with her mom, who was very pregnant, and in the middle of a blizzard, went into early labor, and my great-great-grandmother died, and my, grandma, my great-grandmother was in the house for 12 days. 
until the father came home with the ship and shoveled the house out. Because back then, they like we're talking poor, poor, poor farm wait, 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 in a shack. Wait, you're talking. Wait, you're talking about your your newborn great grandmother was in the house for twelve days alone. No, she was twelve years old. Okay, got you. And her mom was pregnant with her younger sister, I believe, and she went into early labor, and there was nobody around. Because up there, even now, it's you know. In a blizzard, you couldn't make it to the next house. So her mother died in, in labor with her sister? Correct. And she had to take care of her sister for the 12 days that uh, that she was alone in the no, house? They, they both died in childhood while oh. the child was being born. Oh, oh man. Oh, her sister died, too. Uh, that's, that is a terrible story. And you said shortly so after that's that... that's how my family ended up back down in Massachusetts. When my great-grandmother got to the point where she was marrying age... She said, I cannot have children up here in the woods. We're moving down. So she bought a house in um, North Medford, and that's where my grandfather and uncle and uh, aunt grew up. Wow. And so around that, around that relocation, is that when the 800, the original 800 acres started becoming broken apart and sold off? Yeah. Sydney, Maine, and um, my grandfather's, like, they married into the Moore shipping family, mm -hmm. and that's why she had the money to move down here. But, yeah, if you go up to Sydney, Maine, I went up there to try to find, like, the social concern building and stuff. My grandfather and grandmother just, my grandmother was one of the first people that died from a vaccination. Wow. So I got all this stuff from the history, and during the pandemic, I've been driving up to Maine looking it up. There's a Townsend Road, and there's like a few mentions of them, but down here in Massachusetts, there's way more. Linfield, his his headstone is in Linfield. It took a bunch of guys three days to carry him home from the Jason Russell house. Well, over th to his wife. Th thank you, thank you again for this call. That's that's a really that's that's wonderful, and that's why I love doing shows like this. I, I have to imagine that every year we do it, we're going to be able to get some really fantastic, almost lost stories from people out there and on the record on this show. Thank you for again for the call. Thank you. All right. Be well. Have a good night. There you go. On the record. Saved for posterity here. All right. 757. I'm going to take one more call. This time I'm going to go into the Discord. In the Discord, I got Troy. Troy, what do you got for me? Yeah. Six degrees. And... Troy. Hello. Hello. Go ahead, Troy. You're on the air. Oh, really? Yes. Okay, I can barely hear you on my phone. I've never done this before. I, I've never used Discord. Well, you sound nice and loud and, and wonderful. So go ahead and tell us your six degrees of separation story. I have maybe three. Go ahead. But I can give you a, a one that I think I was most impressed with was when I met Tony Bennett. Okay. Where'd you meet him? Um... This was back in the, I guess, mid-90s. I was going to school in New York. And I went, uh, he was performing at Radio City Music Hall. And uh, I went, uh, saw the concert, it was wonderful. And then he had a CD signing and I said, hey, uh, can you sign the CD? I'm Troy, I'm, I'm going to Manhattan School of Music, I'm a pianist. And he goes, oh, wait, you're much more talented than me. I said, what are you talking about? I said, <laughs> He said, no, you're much more smart, you're much more talented than I am, and I'm really in honor that you're actually meeting me. So that I was very impressed with. 
Because the because that uh, uh, the musical your ability probably to to, to play. No, your... it was his humbleness. It was humility. Hmm. But he was just very, very a very simple guy. Did did he tell you? Uh, but if he's being forthright with you, did he tell you why he believes that you are you were more talented and, uh, than he was? I think he meant intelligence okay. or creativity. I I, I don't know. I couldn't understand why. I, I thought, my, my God, I mean, you, you filled Radio City Music Hall. You, you've moved everybody. Your voice is so velvety. It's so wonderful. It has such a deep resonance. Why would you discount yourself? Well, as you said, humility, spreading the level around there. I think any good musician, especially one who has been able to do uh, what someone that has, you know, had a career the size of Tony Bennett knows, that you are only as good as the people behind you, and he's probably played and been humbled by so many musical minds that have composed the music he's, uh, he's sung uh, sung to and, and also toured with, and just to watch how they're meticulous animals and creatures of habit so i i would i would take that as a, a genuine compliment uh, they, they they know well it was and and what i was just floored by it because what i felt and what i still believe is that a great artist has great generosity of spirit so that they have limitless creativity and they just keep giving and giving and giving rather than uh say like a a, a mediocre artist or somebody like a b-rated star they're always clamoring for the spotlight, always clamoring for the power. These guys, when they're really A-list, they just give it away. Maybe. I wouldn't say that that would be the, the, the rule there. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of people. Yeah, I wouldn't say that's the rule there. But, um, yeah, and, and I, I can say that there are a lot of B-listers who don't have the, the most talent but know that. And because they know that, they put everything 150% into it. And a lot of the people coast on their laurels. They kind of let things go. They lose track of why they started, even though it became easy to them. I, I, uh, I kind of like the underdog in that, res in that respect to keep their humility. But thank you so much, Troy. It's a wonderful story, and thank you for joining us tonight. Um, there you go, a, a Tony Bennett response. 8 o'clock, we have to go on an intermission. When we come back, we're doing more because there's so much more awesome stuff I'm looking at here, and the calls keep coming in, and there's three more people in the Six Degrees of Separation Discord, so who knows what we're going to hear over the course of the next hour. Thank you for everything. Don't go anywhere. Become a sponsor of the show. And I'll be checking those Super Chats when I come back, too. Welcome to Intermission. We'll, we'll be right back. Yeah. Intermission. Entering 
quite frankly. 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 We all support quite frankly. Not quite. Let's go, Brandon. I agree. Quite frankly. In Roma, Italia. Quite frankly. You going on Frank's show tonight? I really like you. You're very smart. So everybody watch. Quite frankly. With Frank. Thank you guys for keeping me company tonight. And uh, we get a lot of super chats and requests and birthday requests and all that and prayer requests. I'm asking again for your prayers for my uh, my stepfather, Skip. He's just having a really rough time and he's back in the hospital today. He's, he's had low, his blood pressure crashed in the middle of dialysis and he's just very tired. And he, I feel just, I feel terrible really in low spirits. Please uh, just add them into your add them into your rotation, please. So with that, and again, I thank you for the company. I thank you uh, for allowing this outlet to be shared by so many and gives me something to really work on and toil away. Thank you. J. Harry 5019 says, what that young mother said to her baby, I could have killed. I was, ex I was expecting, and that's why abortion is wrong. Keep opening good people's eyes. I know. And I want to remind you that all these super chats coming in right now, these are going to, uh, at, at the end of tomorrow night's show, it's, it's uh, Friday. Oh, no, we're on, whenever the last night of this, of this week is, broadcast-wise, all that goes to OurAmazingGrace.net. Yes, Cacao says, Bless Grace. That's Justin Polgar out there. Her story has been a salve on my heart since last week. On the topic, my cousins used to live across the street from Fabio. Even as an eight-year-old, my jaw would drop at the, at, the, <laughs> at the women coming and going from his house. I can imagine. can imagine Fabio just, uh... laid some serious pipe. Fabio, you want to go out uh, tonight? Some of his friends would call him up, said, no, I'm laying pipe tonight. Oh, okay. Can you leave some for us, Fabio? Thank you so much, Justin. One Way Mail says, hey, Frank, remember... Whoopi, uh, Whoopi said that Jill Biden was a great surgeon. How do you even begin to help her understand? We just can't. And this is for Grace. Stostube says Dan Schumann strikes again. 
Dan says, contribute for a good cause so that we can say, uh, it's done, Dan. Good cause, my, oh, we've definitely, we've blown past the $500 threshold, which is amazing, because you know what that means, ladies and gentlemen? Dan Schumann and Stostube, they just put in $100 each. They have these little duels with each other, it's unreal. Actually smoked 78, just did the same. Everybody is very generous, but but this alone, I told you the first $500 that we hit, we hit that I will match it so this means that we're going to be sending at least a thousand to the foundation that they set up so thank you all so much there's Dan Schumann says for grace may she be with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ forevermore Cody H says Klaus Schwab crying like he's a victim is hilarious the Klaus cries in pain as he strikes you Uh, Smoked78 says, for grace, God bless. Thank you so much, Smoked. Very, very generous. Revolution, an hour ago, says, hola, Lord, frankly. Could, uh, could listen last, uh, could listen last night, but great show. Oh, couldn't listen. Boy, could listen last, look, uh, couldn't listen live last night, but great show. This is for last night's contribution to grace. Hope, uh, to be around for some or all of tonight's show so may send again if so thank you revolution tammy 21 hours ago said love the show really appreciate you tammy thank you very much on rockfin we've got a tip that came in with a nice little crowd over there bravo bear says hey frank i meant to leave this in the in the reddit but i forgot so here i go my paternal grandfather's family was from scotland he decided to trace our lineage back one day and discovered we are related to william wallace his mother's maiden name is our family's uh name to this day also my mother's side of the family came over on the mayflower and my grandmother was a member of dar have a good one. That's tremendous. That's big. That's a big one. Thank you for that, Bravo Bear. And what do we have over on the Rumble side of things? Selling the Farm says, amazing show, Franklies. And we have a night, about a thousand people that are hanging out over there, too. Wonderfully spread out audience. We really have diversified. Let's keep growing. On Foxhole, MN Artist sent over a fleet. Thank you so much. The fleets are, that's huge. Thank you. C Blanche says F Joy also. C Blanche, F Whoopi. Uh, Thick Ray, two cheers to you. The truth is loose. Jason Blocker says, I'm on Discord. Take my call. I put my story on Reddit too, but I'll just tell it myself on air. Well, if we get to you, we get to you. I don't know who you are, but there's a couple of people sitting in six degrees, and we're about to get back to the thread right now. Sean the Baker says, My folks went to school and lived a block away from a serial killer named John Jobert in Portland, Maine. Damn, everybody living next to serial killers. That must, that's really creepy. Although I had a close encounter with a pedophile. I don't know if I ever told you this. Well, it could have been a close encounter. In fifth grade, I was in fifth, Anthony was in third grade. We were given acoustic guitars for Christmas. 
I was playing acoustic guitar. I learned, you know, placement on the fretboard and some chord progressions. I still know. I would still be able to pick up some songs and play some Adam Sandler tunes for you if I had some time to practice. But we were enrolled in some after-school guitar lessons at our school, at, at uh, after school at our, uh, in the cafeteria. And while we were playing the guitar and, and doing this with our, our teacher, his name was Mr. Zeebok. Zeebok. Never liked him. He had a hole. He had a hole in his nose. Not a pockmark. I'm talking about a hole. This thing had a, it cast a shadow in there. It was like looking down a well. Little, it, it, I don't know. I don't know how, it wasn't like he was missing a nose, but there was a hole. Mr. Zeebok, and he was uh, playing, and it was, it was you know, safe setting. We had all the, the old ladies from the bingo nights. They were there. They were playing bingo, and some of them were cooking in the, uh, in the kitchen. We, me, Anthony and I always hated sitting there with him, though, because while we were playing, it's after school, and we're learning how to play the guitar, he's eating, you know, sausage and peppers that the, the old ladies at the cafeteria are making for people to buy, and he's just, you know, scarfing down these really tasty looking sandwiches while we just got out of school we're hungry too asshole anyway we did a couple of months of guitar lessons and I don't know how much we actually learned but after his contract with the school had ended and we were his only students he asked my father he said well listen I know that I'm not going to be coming back to the school anymore but I'd be more than welcome you'd be more than welcome to uh, to bring the kids by my house for continuing the guitar lessons. And my father ultimately said, no, no, that's that's not, uh, I'm not driving to the Bronx every day to have them do a, a, a lesson for an hour. So that's just not what was going to happen. Turned out, we, we learned that uh, he was arrested maybe about a year later for, you know, diddling some kids. Oh, boy. Whew. So, there's that. Okay, uh, Dr. Hoffman, thank you so much. When I managed a restaurant, one of my customers' son hitched a ride and found out later the man was John Wayne Gacy, another damn murderer. Doug625 says, great show. Hello from Tecumseh, Michigan. Hello, Doug. Jason Blocker says, uh, descendant, the house of Savoy from Italy, who was entrusted with Christ's Shroud of Turin in the 1500s. Oh, wow. Zoso Dude says, Frank, looking forward to tomorrow as much as I'm enjoying this veal parmesan. That's what I want right now. Damn you for bringing up food. I just told you I'm hungry. I was hungry in 1995, and I'm hungry now, damn it. Thank you, Mima. Thank you, Witchy Poo. And thank you, Mima, again. All right. Let's get back into our thread. Now, I want I don't want to have anything left over. So it's 8.14. I'm going to read from this thread a little bit before we get back to the calls. I will leave the number up just in case some of you guys want to hang out in the Discord. That's a lot easier to hang out there than to keep calling. But here we go. Um... Okay, living in America says my great uncle was uh, was Levon Helm, drummer for the band. Frank, you probably knew who he was. When I was little, my seat at concert was right behind Uncle Lee, and my dad, he is a drummer too. 
He used to have a house in Arkansas. Our whole family would go over to his house for barbecues and music. When it would start to get dark and the mosquitoes came out, we would go inside and Uncle Lee would hang up a blanket in front of the fireplace to make a stage. He gave us all kids kazoos. He played guitar and we would sing all kinds of different songs. As a child, I got to meet Charlie Daniels. Uh, Ricky Skaggs, Beverly D'Angelo. Wow, Beverly D'Angelo. Hmm. And Sissy Spacek. I got an autograph of Bill Clinton. Woo. And Kevin ba- <laughs> Kevin Bacon. Uh, got to got to go to Don Tyson's 65th birthday party when I was 18. I saw a guy there grab Don's junk and got carried out by two huge guys in purple polo shirts. I've got a lot of stories. That's that's incredible. That's incredible right there. Now, here is from Big Bird, which is probably Mr. Blocker with the Shroud of Turin. Listen to this. So my grandmother on my mom's side maiden name is Savoy. She always had this embroidered Savoy family crest framed on the wall in her house that I'd see every time I went over there. My cousin, who like my brother, who's like my brother, he lived with us from age seven to about 18. And one day, older than me that's that's cool to have a cousin that close in in age um one day older than me where the hell is he even got that savoy family crest tattooed on his back i never knew much about it other than that the savoys were french slash italian europe was divided up differently 600 years ago and apparently a prominent family back in the day fast forward to about a year ago Uh, I happened upon a YouTube video about the Shroud of Turin. Actually, I believe Frank mentioned it on a show, and I wanted to look more into it. Yes, I know that that's a great, uh, great video. We put it up over Easter weekend this past, this past, uh, this past year. I was blown away by the Shroud and quite convinced that it is authentic. The burial shroud of Christ that proves his resurrection. So as I'm watching this video on YouTube presenting the evidence that proves the shroud of Turin is in fact proof of Christ's crucifixion and subsequent resurrection, the presenter in the video, I believe he was a Catholic priest, mentioned that in the 14th century the shroud was entrusted to the house of Savoy in Italy for safekeeping. My ears perked up when I heard that. I thought, could this be the same Savoy that my grandmother's descended from? So I did a quick online search, and sure enough, it was the same house of Savoy with the very same family crest that my grandmother had on her wall, and my cousin has tattooed on his back. I couldn't believe it. I'm a descendant of the prominent French-Italian house of Savoy who were entrusted with the safekeeping of the Shroud of Turin. I believe they kept it, out, kept it for about a year before giving it to the church to be kept, in safe, kept safely in Turin. Wow. Wowee. That's Jason Blocker, the possum guy. Ah, oh, yes. Yes, I know him. He calls in from time to time. What a great story. That's, that's, that's great. Here's another one. Fantastic Ice 2055 says, My uncle is Ramon Sanchez Perotti. I have an interesting insight into Cuban, po- Cuban politics and an interesting family dynamic as his parents and six brothers and sisters fled Castro's regime as he was taking orders from Che and Castro, the same regime that threw his father and brother in jail. I've been to Cuba twice to see him. He wasn't happy with the Cuban government when they made him head of customs. 
he felt pushed out of the inner circle, but now he likes them again because he is now again brought into the inner circle as the current president is being the old time uh, is is uh, bringing in the old timers to glean what he can. He's getting up there in age, and all of his children and grandchildren are now in the U.S. except for one daughter and her three children. Wow. I told you, um, I had a, I actually had a friend of mine, Josie, who called in a few times. She is, uh, she is, uh, Cuban, of Cuban descent, and her son, Carlos, who I coached for a few years, um, in, in Little League, really great kid, and then I personal trained him for a while after that, too. He's doing really, really well for himself now. I think he's getting married, or is married, and... He's just doing great. Anyway, he is one of Batista's grandchildren. And they got out of there too. So, there's that. Okay, Karen Carter. This is from this is from Karen Carter. Says I am cousin to June Carter Cash. Well, many of you out there know who June Carter Cash is. That's Karen's cousin and she is a frankly. So many franklys out here. That crazy things going on. Another one, quite Corey says, my sister-in-law is cousin of Michael Jordan's wife. They frequently go to Jordan's home in Florida for birthday parties and such. Man, all right, let's take a call. It's 820. We have plenty of time to get to the rest. I just want to make sure that we did not fall behind. 432, you're on the air. Who's this? Yes. Yes. Hello? Yes. All right, can you hear me better now? I can hear you wonderful now. So who am I speaking with? Wow, what's up, Frank? This is Mitchell McCall from West Texas, Midland, Texas. Oh, it's great to have you on, Mitchell. Uh, really great to have you on. And it sounds, it, it, it just sounds from your voice that it's a hot day down there. It is extremely hot. <laughs> I've been working outside all day. Yes, sir. What do you do? What do you do, Mitchell, if you don't, if you don't mind me asking? I'm self-employed, and uh, I've been in construction since I was 15. Wow. And so now that's that's what you're doing on your own, and how, how hot was it today? Uh, I believe it only got into the low hundreds today, but it, <laughs> it, we, we, we finally caught a little bit of rain, but it came with some uh, golf ball-sized hail yesterday. Isn't that incredible? I mean, we, we you would think that up here in the north we would get hail all the time, but but down there where it's you say it's only in the low hundreds today, you get ice that falls from the sky. What I I, it, I never understood why the hotter parts of the country are so more prone to ice. I, I mean, I can get somebody to explain that to me one day. But I'm taking away from the real point of the call, Mitchell. I want to hear about your three six degrees of separation. Okay, so yes, uh, well, I think I'll I'll skip the Geronimo story because it's it's long and drawn out. I'm, I'm um, descended from Geronimo as far as I can tell. Wow. All right, um, which is a cool story in and of itself, which I will skip because I know you're a Pantera fan, and uh, I thought I would tie this in, just sort of tie everything together with your old hitchhiking story that you had uh, a few weeks back. Uh, a couple of weeks back, and uh, so the six degrees of separation. Uh, I believe it was about 2000, uh, the, the 101 proof tour, mm -hmm. uh, and Pantera came to Odessa, Texas, 
and uh, I had just hooked up with the you know very young sweet girl, and all of our friends um, had asked me you know if I wanted to ride to you know how I was getting over there. Everybody was going, and so uh, I wound up getting distracted with this girl for a little while, and uh, missed my ride, and wound up hitching. Joe Odessa. She wound up catching a ride from someone else. I don't know how, but uh, I was literally uh, walking down Highway 191, and a, a nice, nice, uh, you know, Mexican gentleman pulled over, drinking a tall boy, and and pulled over and picked me up and take, took me to the Coliseum. And I didn't think I was going to make it. Uh, I already had my tickets bought. So I walk into the doors, and as soon as I walk, I think it was like puddle of mud opening up that day. And uh, and I walk in, and the lights go out, like perfect timing. Pantera's coming on, right? And I make my way straight to the front. I wove my, you know, just just you know, forced my way all the way to the front, and uh, got up against the rail. Mm-hmm. And in front of in front of Dime bag, I'm trying to get in front of Dime, and uh, and so Dime, you know, is playing so fast that I can't even see his fingers moving. I mean, it was just the most incredible experience ever. But however, I was I was uh, scared for my life because my ribs were being crushed against the rail during the mosh pit the entire time. You know. Yeah. And I and you can't jump over the rail because then the security guards will will handle you up and uh there's some big dudes and so so how did, so, how, so, so, so so how did you get to how did you get to actually come in contact with the band itself let's get to that part okay well well you, you also had a guitar pick thing going on we're going to tie that in as well well uh so 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 here's here's what happened so um in between sets Dimebag is his uh got his his hand in a jar and they're pa- they're passing out. He's passing out handfuls of these promotional Pantera guitar picks. And when he does this, which is a very very bad idea, it was like a Travis Scott situation, man. Uh, you know, people were going down all at once to go for these picks, and you know, you got literally suffocated and smushed. And long story short, there was yeah. a guy. Uh, who was reaching for the same pick that had just landed at my feet, and he got an elbow to the face. My, uh, I did, I did retain that pick, and did, didn't know until I got outside of uh, of the show after I survived. Well, and by okay, the way, well, well, got there. well, Mitchell, I, 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 I just, I, I, I fought for for uh, picks before at, at uh, metal shows before. I know it can be a very a very tough task. I, I, I can only give you about 30 more seconds, so just let me know exactly how you came into contact with the band. Go ahead. 30 seconds. Go. No, uh, no. Okay. Okay. Yes. So I get outside in the light, find out that out of all those promotional picks, I had dime bags pick, which was a Tortex pick mm-hmm. that had been worn. It was live. Uh-huh. Uh, I saw my other buddy's picks. I was looking for the girl that I, that I, that I had departed ways with, and had to go, I heard that she had gone to the tour bus. So I went waiting outside the tour bus for this girl to come out so we could go home together. And uh, she eventually comes out and uh, basically 
uh, almost like she was being kicked out <laughs> with, with a group of other girls out of the tour bus and Dimebag came out and I got, I mean, I didn't get to talk to the guys at all face to face, but as it turns out, the girl I was with at, at the beginning of the night wound up with the band. So that's, we, we just spoke for seven minutes and it boiled down to the girl that you came there ended up with the band and not you. Yes. Jeez, Mitchell, thank you so much for the call. <laughs> I think that's like, <laughs> well, at least you laid eyes on them and you got yourself a pick. Wonderful. Thank you for calling in, my friend. Uh, it was a it was a wonderful talk. All right. Yeah. Back at you, Frank. All right. Have a good one and watch out. Keep keep dodging those hail. Keep dodging the hail out there. Oh man. It's like we're. So come on, give me the victory story. He's like, oh, I watched the girl I was with go with Dimebag. <laughs> What's going on, Joel? Ah, Frank, what's up, brother? How are you? I'm doing all right. It's great to have you on tonight. So do you have a six degree of separation story? I do have a six degree of separation story, actually. And it leads into your topic from last night, talking about Mike and the Mad Dog and going into six degrees of separation. So yes. Mad Dog, we know that he is a complete piece of trash as of late. And uh, with him and Mike and Francesa, it used to be very entertaining to watch when we were younger because you and I both grew up as Yankee fans. I love them together. Was, uh, what's that? I love them together, yes. They were great. He's like, hey, what's up, Mad Dog? He's like, how you doing, Mikey? How you doing? You know, and he would be wild. That was, that was his personality. And so we grew up watching him. And now he's gone from, he left, uh, he got fired from the fan, I believe. And then he went to MLB for a hot minute. And then after that, he got picked up by ESPN, and now he's the new loudmouth on first take after they have all their different people. And we all know how who ESPN is owned by and how they're doing their things these days. Right. Um, which leads me to my six-degree separation story, because those guys, even though they talked about the Yankees, they were huge Mets fans. And when I originally moved down to Florida, I worked in the town that was Port St. Lucie, and that's where the Mets have their spring training. Mm -hmm. And I hung out with a guy named Jose Lima. I don't know if uh, your listeners know who Jose Lima is. He's pretty famous. He's had a pretty decent career. And uh, he used to go into this local spot, this bar, and hang out him, Cliff Floyd, Juan Padilla, a few other players, um, and they would hang out in the bar, and they would like to party afterwards. And it just so happens that he was friends with a bartender friend of mine who worked at the local restaurant, and he said, hey, why don't you guys come and hang out with us? And we're like, what? He's like, well, we're going back to her crib. We're like, oh, really? So we're hanging out with Juan Padilla. <laughs> and he says, we need various amounts of uh, beer and candies and snacks for this party that I'm bringing you to. Even though my friend was bringing him to her house. And we brought all our 12 packs and our cases, this, that, and the other. And he says, uh, guys, you paying for this? We're like, yeah, of course, man. You know, we're going to a party. He's like, no, no, guys, I got $41 million in the bank. Okay, this is all on me. We're going to have some, a good time tonight. The one thing I ask is that we listen to a little bit of Dominican music. And I was like, uh, yeah, okay. okay. You got sure. it. <laughs> <laughs> so he throws his card on the thing, and, you know, he's got the, the, the good old fancy MX card. We go to the house, and he pulls this CD out of his fanny pack. And this, yes, this was that time where we were listening to the CD. He puts it in, and the Dominican music. I'm going to dance up in someone's house in Port St. Lucie, Florida, and dance with every girl, everybody. He didn't care. He was there having a good time. He's like, I don't care. I'm a pitcher for the Mets, and I make millions of dollars. I'm here to have a good time. And there you go. Wait, no, okay, that, that, well, that is a great story. But the first thing I, I need to know is this. Juan Padilla, he 
I had to go to uh, uh, pick him up here, and because I, I know I remember he was around for a little while, but it was a little while. I see here for the, he was he was active from 2004 to 2005, two years, and he 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 said he had 41 million in the bank. No, not Juan Padilla. Jose Lima had oh, 41 million. Oh, not Juan Padilla. oh, okay. Juan Padilla was a low level, low level middle reliever. I think he had Tommy John. I think that's why he was rehabbing in Port St. Lucie at the time. Yeah. No, no, no. Juan Padilla was was hooking up with Chili's waitresses. He wasn't the guy like Jose Lima. No, Jose Lima was around for he he played for like a, a, a dozen years or something like that. So yeah, yeah, okay. he was on a, a a bunch of other different teams. And he, but he ma- managed to make his way back to the Mets. I think before he had his heart attack was maybe two or so years before then, so mm. or after that, my mistake. Well, dude, well, I, I love getting calls from you. As rare as they are, you got to make them more often and, and enjoy your enjoy your your time down there in Florida and stay in touch. Hey, absolutely, brother. Always a good time to call in. And that shout out to you. Shout out to. Uh, by the way, uh, Skip and my thoughts for your stepfather and. Uh, Everything else, man. Best of luck. Talk to you soon. Thank you. I'll talk to you, buddy. Hey, let, let's let's get on Battlefront soon, please. Hey, I'm down. You know I'm always down. Throw okay. it in the group text. All right, you got it. Take care. <laughs> there you go. Check I play out, I play Star Wars Battlefront with my buddy Joel. Uh, uh, well, I mean, that's all we can do now because he lives 800 miles away. But every once in a while, I say, hey, let's get on. And we go and we, we fight the Empire. Sometimes we fight as the Empire. All right. Let's see. Let's get into. Let's get into another call. Let's bring in Bo. What's going on, Bo? Bo, nothing there. Okay. All right. Let's go back into the Reddit thread. Here's from Competitive P six two eight two. My daughter came home. My daughter came home uh, very upset one day and told me a girl spat in her hair. Oh, God. That's all I need. Later that night, my husband was on the couch on social media, not really paying attention. So I'm sitting at the kitchen table trying to figure out what was going on since I got an email from the school staff telling me an incident happened at school with Olivia. Olivia was like... So and so spat in my hair. She thinks she can be a uh, she thinks she could be in jerk because her dad is a famous baseball player. Excuse me? Who's this baseball player? I asked her who this girl's father was, and I got the scissors out to cut Olivia's hair and sell it on eBay. It was like a Catholic saint relic, JK. Just kidding. So Olivia says Randy Wynn. And I don't care. I don't even know who he is. <laughs> I knew Randy Wynn. Not personally. My husband practically uh, leaps out of the couch hollering, Randy Wynn. He's like the nicest guy. He was one of my favorite players when he played for Seattle. Olivia, at this point, is five times as furious as she was than she was when she got home. She goes off to her room. My husband was still going on about Randy Wynn. <laughs> when our family would ask about Olivia during that time, we brought up that Randy Wynn's daughter spat in Olivia's hair, and every response was always like, What? Randy Wynn? He's like the nicest guy. Later on, Olivia came to terms with this whole incident, and the girls moved on from it. I, uh, I like to think Randy Wynn and I are bonded for life with our degree of separation, although I read an article on BuzzFeed found me on the nicest celebrities, and Randy Wynn came up, and how this waitress had taken care of his well-behaved family. 
We joked around that Olivia would have called it fake news several years ago. Yes, well-behaved family. Well-behaved family. Enough spit for everybody, I guess. Let's see. Let's see here. Here is one from Claire. Claire says, my uncle is David R. Scott. Did the first, he did the first docking in space with Neil Armstrong. Calm down, Albert. With Neil Armstrong, that was a Gemini mission. He went on three Apollo missions as well. Uh, the first he stayed in the air when the other two were on the moon in the air. The second he was on, he was the geologist. He was the geologist. The third was Apollo 15 and he was the commander. He was on the backup team for Apollo 1 where they lost Gus and the rest of the crew due to fire. Very sad. Then my grandfather on my mother's side was a brigadier general during World War II in charge of all maintenance at all bases in Europe. He got in trouble for doing, uh, for going on air raids over England because of his rank, but he told them to hell with you. It's good for the morale of my men. Isaac Ike Ott, O-T-T. They had our war, they had our war buttons like Ike and Ike, they think alike. Ike Eisenhower and Ike Ott. Oh, and my five times great uncle was William Barrett Travis, commander of the Alamo. Well, damn. Well, damn there, Claire. Man. Okay, we have a few more. It is 8.36. Let me take a really quick call. From Big Time Killer 44. What's going on, Big Time? You there? On Discord. Three, two, one. Big Time? I see the unmute button went away. Hello? Okay. Nothing from Big Time Killer. I'll take one more call, and then I want to finish up with a couple of these stories here because I think there's a couple of really great ones still. 8614, you're on the air. Who's this? Hey, 614. Uh-oh. Is the Skype... The Skype is breaking down? That would be horrible if it did. Buckeye Steven, though. Buckeye Steven says, When my wife and I got married in 2008 as a wedding gift... Her aunt, who researches her family's ancestry as a hobby, researched my ancestry. She discovered that my great-great-five-greats-grandfather was William Henry Harrison, ninth president of the United States. Unfortunately, after giving a long inaugural address in the, rain, in the rain, he died in office on April 4th, just 31 days in office. The Harrison family, I later learned, was a powerful family in colonial Virginia and in early days of the United States. In addition to William Henry, his grandson and my distant cousin, Benjamin, was also president. And his father, Benjamin uh, V, served as Virginia's governor from 1781 to 1784 and signed the Declaration of Independence. Being a wealthy and powerful Virginia family, they owned slaves, which is a bit embarrassing, so I'm careful with whom I share this information. Yes, but you have to understand Virginia law back then especially dowry slaves and all that like there's so much I have to get into uh, Thomas Jefferson again we have to we have to jump back into that aside from the fact that we're hundreds of years removed and uh, there's still 
tens of millions of slaves all over the world. Not in the West, of course. After learning this from my wife's aunt, I began to research further and learned that I am also blood-related to Abraham Lincoln, whose family married indirectly into the Harrison family, so I have that anti-slavery background to help balance things out. <laughs> yes. Yes, you do. Recently, my wife's aunt... You could say, that's great. You have that kind of like a duality thing. My wife's aunt, who has become one of my favorite in-laws through all of this, also learned that my wife is directly descendant from Miles Standish, who sailed to America on the Mayflower in 1620 and became a leader in the Plymouth Colony. Love your show and audience, Frank, and keep up the good work. That's Buckeye Stephen. Love it. Jay Hunter. James Noble, Governor Gatling on Benson, was a good friend of mine and good enough that he came to my wedding. He sang in the church choir with me. He was a fine singer, a magnificent lector and reader, and the funniest human being I've ever met, uh, been in contact with. His one-man show on Halloween was hysterical. He'd play three characters, the kid, the grumpy man answering the door, and the grumpy man's wife, and he'd switch from one voice to another to another so quickly and seamlessly that if you close your eyes, you'd swear there were three people there. He passed away a few years ago. The world is a much less funny place without him. Something else, man. Something else. All right, let's take a call. Doc Keck has a six degree of separation story. Doc, what do you got for us? Uh, what's going on? Many blessings to you, Frank, and all Franklies, man. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, um, just because uh, you mentioned it earlier, just uh, I pray for peace and health uh, to skip. Thank you. Uh, amen is given. You know, Yahweh, Yeshua, Elohim. Uh, shalom to all. And within earshot or contact of anyone here. Um, but uh, on the sixth degree side, I have a possible badass slash uh, unsung hero from history. Uh, in 1986, one of the greatest ecological disasters that this earth has ever seen happened when Chernobyl, a nuclear reactor, went up. Okay. Uh, the man who is kind of not necessarily given credit, but responsible for the cleanup strategy and how that was handled, his name was Viktor S. Goshchev, who also happened to double duty at the time as the head of the Russian Space Agency. Um, so in terms of the strategy of coming up with how to contain all of that um, radioactivity, uh, I definitely got to give a shout out to Victor S. Koshyev out there. And is, is Victor related to you? Well, he, at the end, um, when the Soviet Union fell, he uh, emigrated uh, to the United States, became a United States citizen, and began to teach kinesiology at the University of Minnesota. And uh, his main, um, I guess, contribution uh, or, like, focus was on a spacesuit. Uh, that was worn underneath to regulate temperature. And what he said is that when uh, astronauts are out there, when they're facing the sun because they're getting all the radiation, it's different from that's what's facing space. So one side would freeze and the other side would get real hot and they would get disoriented. So he developed this suit which was made of um, like tubing and he would fill it with water. And there are ways to, um, and he called it a reflexogenic response. When certain areas get cold, the water rushes from that, that extremity into the core to keep it warm. When uh, extremities are hot, water flows out because it wants to dissipate that heat. 
okay? So it's the preservation of heat. So if you have one side of your body that's getting all this blood and the other that's like shrinking, and you have to handle this wrench to make sure this part doesn't fly off the satellite that's keeping you alive, you have a direct interest. Mm. Uh, I'm going to put uh, into the chat uh, a link to most of the research that he was done. But earlier, and this is the final degree, I think we've done five degrees, the sixth degree is that uh, you had a, um, a story about uh, water leaking, right? Fill, you know, people's spaces filling up with water. And because I know that there is water tubing that is underneath, it could leak. And because at zero gravity, you know, water doesn't necessarily have to fill. It just needs to obstruct the airway and a person can drown. You can drown in, you know, a very small amount of water. So absolutely, all you gotta do is just cover some uh, yeah. air air passageway. So again, yeah. so, so again, I so must... my connection to him is uh, I did research uh, with him on that spacesuit uh, in the early 2000s. Uh, was selected uh, for as a McNair Scholar, and I have a lot of stories. He's a very genuine person, very good man, and as an unsung hero, if I have to name many six degrees out there, I'm gonna give a shout out to Victor Escoshia. That's why I was always wondering. I knew that you were going to drop the hammer. I knew that there was going to be a really awesome uh, relationship there, either through uh, through familial ties or, in your case, work. Because I, I don't I don't know too much about you personally, Doc, but you you're very learned, and that makes a lot of sense that you would have you would have uh, been partnered up or paired up with a guy like that and done any kind of work. So thank you again for for sharing and teaching us something really interesting. Any blessings. All right, take care. There you have it. Now, it's 844. I have one more over here. I have maybe three more, but I'm going to get to this one. This is from Alora Morrison. Now, I got I saw this right before the show and I said, "Oh shit." And I grabbed something to compliment this. Alora got in touch with me and said, "Frank, years ago, I had a tenant who ended up becoming a friend. His name was Ronald Olmsted." Ron had told me that his great-great-grandfather was Frederick Law Olmsted, and he designed the landscape for Central Park. Yes, I knew that. I actually knew that. Goat Island, Niagara Falls, and the Biltmore. Now, I don't know if Alora knows this, but uh, Ronald Olmsted's great-great-grandfather, Frederick Law Olmsted, also designed, was one of the chief designers of the, the entire landscape around the 1893 World Fair. So I went out and I, I, I found something that was a really, really good read to talk a little bit about Olmsted here. So this is from Olmsted200.org. I think it might be about him and all of his work. They said, uh, he said, uh, do you remember Daniel Burnham and Frederick Law Olmsted? They were responsible for creating the White City. The White City, very racist. They're very racist people. <laughs> and overseeing the development and design of the 1893 World's Columbian Ex Exposition in Jackson Park. You know, a lot of people say it's a very common hypothetical situation, and I'm sure that we're not done talking about it on this show because it's fun to, to, to just let your mind wander and then just explore different hypothetical things and whatever. And it's a story. It's a a, a, a question you probably ask yourself or ask somebody else if you had a time machine where would you go what would you do with that time machine if you could take a little bit of a vacation in time well asked that over the years in this show i've said things like um i, I would want to go see a negro league baseball game 
uh, I would like to see, I forgot where else I would, I want to go back to like the 1930s or 40s, like 30s, and uh, like see a Satchel Page game in his prime or something like that. Uh, I forgot a couple other things that I would do, but I always forget things like this. If I could get into a time machine that's not going to give me some kind of very uh, very uh, aggressive form of cancer or something, if I can get into a time machine with Lauren and the baby and we can hit a button and say we're going to go spend a week somewhere and we'll come right back a week later so it's not like we are a week you know that's the whole thing with time machine trips if you're going to go somewhere for a week pretend you're just going on vacation and disappear and come back the week later because if you say we're going to go away for a week but we're going to come back at the exact place that we left then you come back to your timeline but you're a week older than everybody else and then you start then you have this this weird differential Okay, when you go to Florida for two weeks, nobody sees you for two weeks. You come back and you're all still the same age. So at least space that out when you're planning your next trip through time. Well, this was definitely one of those things. I and I think many of you out there would agree that to spend a little bit of time at the World's Fair, the 1893 World's Fair, with all of the history that was made there. And all the hidden history that was going on, even to put that that stuff together, the minds that came together to make that work. All of the products that were were premiered for the first time. Aunt Jemima. That's where Aunt Jemima uh, began, I believe, which is now some, has been renamed some stupid name. That's where they use spray paint for the first time. I mean, there's so much. So, so much. The Ferris wheel, that's the first one ever. Um... But Tesla, Tesla had had uh, had um, the demonstrations there. There was so much at 1893 World's Fair. It is actually inconceivable to think that what we were exhibiting in the years before the 20th century even turned. What the hell are we doing now? You would think that. I mean, what happened to us? Anyway, let's keep going. This is uh, Alora's roommate's or tenant's great-great-grandfather. You should know about him. Frederick Law Olmsted. They were responsible, he and Daniel Burnham, for creating the White City, overseeing the development and design of the 1893 World's Columbian Exposition. That was 400 years after the arrival of Columbus. That's why it was the Columbian Exposition. They, they were actually based enough to celebrate that. Uh, the Windy City outcompeted others to win the congressional approval to showcase the Midwest and show up the French who had debuted the Eiffel Tower at the 1889 Paris Exhibition. Did you know that? Chicago leaders wanted to put their city on the map, and 28.5 million visits later represented almost half of the U.S. domestic population in 1893 they had. Leading the charge for the design of the World's Fair was architect Burnham, who was a force of nature and someone who believed it was important to make no plans little, no little plans. They have no magic to stir a man's blood, he said. As director of works, Burnham brought a grand vision. A fair, uh, the fair included about 200 buildings and exhibits, 
But at its center was a core of buildings, the White City, composed of an array of glistening white buildings devised to house the exhibitions. Working closely with Burnham was Olmsted, who near the end of his career was responsible for the landscape design. He helped select the exhibition location and converted the swamp into lagoons and a glorious wooded island with lush verdure to be enjoyed from the water. Having experienced life on the ocean during his year-long service in the China trade, Olmsted had a particular interest in ensuring a memorable boating experience. While the World Fair proved to be a great success, its creation was nothing short of her- Herculean. The world was swept up in the Panic of 1893, a major economic depression. The exposition was running behind schedule, and the landscape design offered special challenges. Plant nurseries had little to offer in short time frames, so Olmsted determined that it was best to collect native plants' materials from streams and swamps around Chicago. In a report to the American Institute of Architects, Olmsted recounted collecting over one million plants and then planting the lagoons then planting the lagoons with 100,000 willows, 75 large railway platform carloads of uh, uh, herbaceous aquatic, herbaceous aquatic plants, and 140,000 other aquatic plants, largely native and Japanese irises, with 285,000 ferns and other perennial herbaceous plants. Quite frankly, Olmsted was none too fond of the white buildings. His hope was to employ the landscapes to soften the visitor's experience and to connect city residences, residents with the rejuvenating and healthful benefits of nature. As Olmsted explained it, the goal of the landscape design was to establish a considerable extent of broad, apparently naturally, natural scenery in the contemplation of which a degree of quieting influence can be had, counteracted to the effect of artificial grandeur and the crowd's pomp, splendor, and bustle of the rest of the exposition, end quote. They just spoke so well, too. Contemporaneous accounts indicate Olmsted succeeded. The wooded island met with considerable applause is still enjoyed today. And close at the close of the fair, the exhibit buildings were removed, which is people are wondering why. Why? What was built was amazing, and they're just all just taken away. Why it was so temporary? It has been the source of a lot of, um, of speculation and theorizing. It's actually at the heart of the Tartarian, the Tartarian uh, civilization theories. We'll talk about that one night. It's really interesting. Uh, at the close of the fair, uh, the exhibit buildings were removed. Olmsted and his son, John Charles, traveled back to Chicago to return Jackson Park to its original design. They wanted to ensure open vistas to the lake shore and the pristine experience of nature for future generations. They were explicit that the science and industry building was to be the highest and only structure so that the building would not overpower the landscape. In a passionate essay, The Spoils of the Park, Olmsted made it clear that the buildings were antithetical to his park design, and he railed at politicians and public officials who viewed parks as simply places to build. Olmsted explained, quote, The very reason for being of the park is the opportunity for pleasurable and soothing relief from building. Where building for other purposes begins, the park ends. The reservoirs and the museum are not part of the park proper. They are deductions from it. 
He did not like buildings. He liked being able to work with the landscape and bringing... That's why, you know, he's the chief designer of Central Park. Olmsted was regularly disappointed by degradation of his works, the breaking of promises to the future, which had been, uh, to me, a churchly vow, he said. He urged officials to find alternatives to destroying a park's natural setting, its unique vistas and open green space by adding intrusive architecture. Don't do it. Today, the Obama Foundation is making plans to construct the Obama Presidential Center in Jackson Park. Oh, ugh. Talk about a broken promise. So, um, there you go. So, another slash across the face of beauty. The Obama Center. Woo. Well, that's that. Another figure from history that you learned about tonight. And and all because the audience shared. Now, there's so much more that we can get in the future. This is why I encourage you all, ladies and gentlemen, give yourself over to the show threads. Give yourself over to the show threads. It makes for wonderful talk and wonderful sharing. And that's what we have. Thank you, Stostube, for another ship over there on the foxhole. I'm going to be releasing the Scratchin right now. Scratchin has been released. Go ahead. On the Rumble. On the Rumble, I've got one from Fred Awakening. It says, used to work in a grocery store in Southern California when I was a teen. I met all kinds of people. I sold Jim Edmonds fish. Jim Edmonds was a great player. I met Alex Trebek when he came in to promote his wine. He was a horn dog. He hid on the checkers. Oh, really? Well, I mean, he was Alex Trebek. Who wouldn't have let Alex Trebek lay on top of them? <laughs> oh, Alex, lay down on top of me. Can you imagine? Go ahead, imagine it. Thank you, Victor S. Kosichev, says for grace. That's for Victor S. Kosichev, for grace. This is on the tip of stream. Oratorio72 says, I was moved by our amazing grace. Thanks for sharing her story. Thank you for being a part of it. Mary Kazor says, hi, Frank. My, my husband knew the Haliki brothers. They filmed and wrote the original Gone in 60 Seconds with his, uh, in his hometown. We actually have a VHS tape of the original. Thought that was pretty cool. I love Gone in 60 Seconds. In fact, Abe, if you're watching, or, uh, or Cody, Chode, if you're watching, please put that down for Mystery Movie Monday. I would love to watch Gone in 60 Seconds with everybody on a Mystery Movie Monday on After Hours on QuiteFrankly.tv. Such a fun carefree, don't think too much about it kind of a film. Great cast. Great cast. And a lot of fun. All right. That's all we have. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's all we have here tonight, ladies and gentlemen. I thank you so much for the time. I thank you for the interaction. Thank you for all of your support. Please become a sponsor of the show. You can do so by visiting quitefrankly.tv, go to the sponsor us section, or all of the links to do so are in the description of this episode. I would love to go home tonight or tomorrow and the day after or all throughout the weekend and welcome new sponsors of the show, no matter how small, how sustainable, doesn't matter. If 1% of this audience tonight put a dollar down a month, which is $12 a year, we take three steps forward. And I appreciate you all. Either way, I'll be back on Monday. And um, wait, 
It's only Thursday. I'm just tired, you know, and I'm hungry. I'm thinking about sausage and peppers right now. I'm thinking about veal parmesan because of Zoso, dude. I'm in a real rough, sh- a real rough shape right now. You know, the Yankees aren't even on. They're 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 playing some ridiculous uh, gun control uh, bullshit on the Yes Network. So I'm gonna go home and just hang out with Lauren and have a good time. Then that's all. That's all there is. And that's enough. Thanks again, ladies and gents. I will see you all soon. Soon means tomorrow at 7 o'clock. And until then, be good. I'll catch you on the flip side. Quite frankly, is filmed before a live studio audience. And now our super chatters. Thank you on Rockfin, Bravo Bear. It's wonderful to have you out there. Thank you, Victor, Oratorio72, Mary Kazor, Jay Harry, Yes Cacao, One Way Mel, Stostube, Dan Schumann, Cody H, Smoked78, Rev Olution, and Tammy. You guys have been very, very generous to me and the world tonight. And I'm looking forward to more fun with you tomorrow. Good night.